Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois. And this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Christ is risen. Indeed, he is risen. Welcome to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Loya, your host. Have you been to doctors, many doctors perhaps, taking a lot of medicine, therapy, and nothing really seems to help? Well, we're going to talk about getting real help by looking into the resurrection of Jesus Christ and all of its ramifications, its relevancy, especially through the liturgical text of the Byzantine Catholic Church. That's right. We're going to look at real health real healing through that event. Christ's resurrection, the resurrection of his body, his bodily resurrection has great implications for us in so many ways and in so many aspects of life, including our health. But before we do that, somebody asked me a question. They said to me recently, hey, Father Tom, how's your Christmas going? Now, it might sound strange to you, like maybe they're trying to be uh, smart Alex. It was uh, some young adults actually asking me that question. But I was actually very impressed with that. How was your Christmas going, they said. Here we are in the Paschal season, Easter season, as it's more commonly known. And yet someone asked me, how's my Christmas going? Why did they ask me that? Why was I thrilled that they asked me that? I was thrilled because during the Christmas season, I tell people that Christmas, this mystery of Christ's birth, is not just an event about a baby in a manger that we celebrate for a couple days and then we move on. This is about a mystery that unfolds and continues to unfold and finds its fullness in what we're celebrating now. That is the resurrection of Christ and eventually his ascension and, and the sending of the Holy Spirit. It's one integrated whole. And the reason why I was glad the young people remembered to say that to me, because I would say to them in homilies, I would say to my people, ask me sometime later, months from now, how's your Christmas going? In fact, I even put out an arbitrary date. How about July 18th, when Christmas is not hardly on our minds at that time, of course. I said, ask me then, for instance. Could be any other day, but I just threw out that one, July 18th. How is my Christmas going? And I'll ask you the same thing. Because the incarnational event is something that happened and unfolds. And we enter into that mystery and it comes to its fullness now in this Paschal season. So there is a connection, a continuous, unbroken, 
unified action of the incarnation of the invisible God becoming visible, taking on our flesh, his taking on his own creation while still remaining in the Trinity, a continuity between that and how this incarnate God then takes his own body, which is now a human body while he's still divine, allows it to be beaten, put on a cross, die, put in a tomb, descend into hell, do battle with the devil, and then rise up, raise that body up. And with his body, he raises up all humanity with him and makes it possible for our own bodies to rise from the dead and be reunited with our souls at the final judgment, at the second coming, so that we will be gloriously unified, gloriously transfigured again, body and soul, integrated as it was supposed to be from the beginning. A whole person we will be. And for those who are saved or going to go to heaven, our bodies and souls will be gloriously reunited, spiritualized, like Jesus's body and soul when he entered into the upper room after his resurrection, and he met the apostles, especially Thomas, one week after the resurrection. He passed through the doors, although the doors were locked, closed, locked. He passed through them like a spirit, yet he was not just pure spirit. He was also fully human with that same body that went to the cross, yet somehow it was spiritualized. It was the same body, but this body now, this body person of Jesus Christ, could now enter into a room through the door, and the wounds would be so real they would convert Thomas to faith, and therefore all of us. In the liturgical texts, they make this connection between the incarnation and its completion, its fullness in the resurrection, with various connections liturgically, such as this. We pray this. This is during the Paschal season. We pray this. The myrrh-bearing women cried out. Notice, myrrh-bearing women. See if you can put these pieces together like our ingenious liturgy does. The myrrh-bearing women cried out, Let us hasten, as did the Magi, and adore Christ, and bring our myrrh as a gift to him who is wrapped not in swaddling clothes, but in a shroud. Did you catch those references? How it connects Christmas event with now the resurrection? In the icon of the resurrection, the Byzantine icon, very ingenious, Jesus Christ is pictured in a cave, just like he was buried in a cave or a tomb. He's in a sarcophagus. The manger looks like a sarcophagus, a burial place. And he's wrapped in swaddling clothes that actually look more like burial wrappings. And his face is that of an, of an actually like a young man, because it's not just the baby in a manger. It's the, yes, it's the baby who is God incarnate, who started out in all ways fully human except sin. So he started out as a baby. If he's going to be fully human, he's going to start out as a baby. So he's just starting out as a baby, but that baby came for a purpose. And that purpose is what we celebrate now during this Paschal season, to become a man who would take on our sins, take him to the cross, break the power of Satan as he descended into hell, did battle with Satan, and rose up. In the icon of the resurrection, we call it the harrowing of hell in the Byzantine church. Jesus is seen tramping down the gates of hell, stamping on top of the devil, grabbing Adam and Eve out of their sarcophagi, and raising them up. And surrounding Christ in that scene are many of the famous people from the Old Testament, and also including St. John the Baptist. In other words, those who could not enter heaven 
until Christ came and defeated the devil, broke the bonds of Hades, which was withholding everybody from full experience in heaven. Even the righteous people, that's right, they could not go fully to heaven yet until Christ broke the powers, broke down the gates of Hades that had been a place of imprisonment for humanity until Christ came. So we also have in this connection liturgically between Christmas and the Paschal season, these words. Again, these are the prayers during the Paschal season. At your conception, O Lord God, an angel said to her who was full of grace, rejoice. At your resurrection, an angel rolled away the stone from the door of your glorious tomb. The first angel spoke with signs of joy instead of sorrow. The other angel brought the good news of a Lord who gives life instead of death. See what's happening? The same elements are present in the nativity as they are in the resurrection. Angel in both places giving a message. And both messages were positive, were hopeful. They were about new life. Okay, some more text. At his birth, Christ was born in a cave and from a virgin whose virginity remained intact. At his resurrection, Christ emerged from a virginal tomb while keeping the seal of the tomb intact. See the connection there? It's really ingenious how the liturgy makes that out, points it out, and it is illustrated and communicated in the iconography. There's another verse. At his birth, Joseph carried the body of Christ from Bethlehem to the safety of Egypt. At Christ's death on the cross, another Joseph, that's Joseph of Arimathea, took down Christ's body and carried it to the safety of a new tomb. So even there, the carrying of Christ's body, first as an infant, carried by the righteous Joseph, carrying his body of safety. Remember the angel said, get up, Joseph, take the family and leave Bethlehem because there are people who want to harm the Christ child. So Joseph did. Another Joseph, a righteous man, came and asked Pilate, had the courage to ask Pilate, just as Joseph had the courage to protect the family. He had the courage to ask Pilate for the body of Christ, took it down and brought it to the safety in reverence of the new tomb. So we can actually go on with more connections. But the point is this, continuity, the incredible continuity where we don't compartmentalize or celebrate these events in life of Christ as completely separate from each other or self-contained. They overlap, they enmesh, one gives rise to the other. And that's why in the liturgical text, so ancient, always makes the connection between the nativity and the paschal season the Paschal event. And this happens in reverse. The liturgical text from the Christmas celebration, the liturgies of Christmas, also make reference to the resurrection of Christ. In other words, why he came into this world as a human being. So what happened was this. At the incarnation, we're able to see God. You know, the Magi came. The shepherds were informed that God was among us. We could now see God incarnate among us, but we couldn't touch him. There's no reference of anybody touching the body of the newborn Jesus in the scripture. Now, though, at his death and resurrection, his body is touched. It is taken down from the cross. And we hear in the liturgy, this happens on Holy and Great Friday, we hear Joseph of Arimathea saying, with what hands can I touch your body? 
with what shroud can I wrap your body? But he does it, and we can touch his body, and we'll continue to touch that sacred body in other ways, and we'll talk about that when we return. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Every day, Father Loya posts a brief two-minute Facebook video on the Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish homepage. You'll be amazed at what you can learn just by watching. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion, and to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. And then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. You are listening to the Choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East and is sung during the Sacred Liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. Order online at byzantinecatholic.com. All we ask is a donation of $20 or more, which includes shipping and handling to Annunciation Parish for each Theosis CD. Send a check made out to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. And may God grant you I'm David Carollo, Executive Director of the World Apostle of Fatima USA, and you are listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. The Tabor Life Institute, which is dedicated to the formation and education in the theology of the body. To find out more about the Tabor Life Institute, you can go to taborlife.org. That's taborlife.org. Especially if you're interested in conferences and retreats, in particular for youth, young adults, and also for those of you who speak Spanish. That's TaborLife.org. Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loyal, your host, and again I say Christ is risen. We were talking about the connection between the incarnation, in other words, the Christmas event and the Paschal event, the resurrection of Christ. I may have sounded strange to you that we would talk about Christmas, but that's exactly the point we're making, that this is one continuous mystery. The unfolding of the incarnation, which comes to its fullness, its full purpose, not only in the body of Jesus Christ being revealed at his nativity, you know, it was Christ's incarnation being revealed at his nativity, but also that body being used as sacrifice, being offered to free us from sin and to raise us up from death. We mentioned that in the first mystery, the incarnation, people came and saw the Christ child but did not touch him. In this mystery, the resurrection, we touch the body in several ways. First of all, the bringing down from the cross, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus. The women came to anoint the body, only to find out that it, it was already risen. Also, Thomas comes and touches the body of Christ. 
so that he would then believe that this really was Christ standing there in the upper room who came through that door like a ghost, although he still had the body with the wounds on it. And it says in the scripture that Thomas put his hand not on the wound, but in the wound, in the wounds, inside the body of Christ. His hand, not his finger, his hand. So that must have been quite a a touch, quite a, a stretch that Thomas did with his hand. The icon shows him stretching out his hand and putting it in Christ's side, which he would have felt. Imagine, he would have felt the heartbeat, the breath of life in his lungs as he breathed. And that's when he said, my Lord and my God. He says the words that are for all of us for all time. Imagine Jesus's mercy. He allowed the doubter to say the ultimate words of faith. This is another reason why St. John Paul II made the Feast of St. Thomas, the Sunday of St. Thomas, the Sunday after Easter, that of also divine mercy, especially for the Latin rite. It's the theme of Christ's mercy. And the fact that Christ's body, physicality, would make visible the invisible God, even the door, the door itself, that was the key. The fact that it came through this door, although it was locked, already starts to show that this body was resurrected and this Christ was divine. And it also shows our ultimate destiny to become spiritualized persons with our bodies returned back with our soul, but in some magnificent, glorious, spiritualized way, as we see with Christ. That's our hope. Many, many deep and rich aspects of this resurrection event that we immerse ourselves in through the liturgy of the church. But now, when we talk about the body, Christ's resurrected body, we talk about lots of things related to our own bodies. In other words, what is Christ's resurrected body? What is it about that event that has relevancy for us, for even our own body? Well, first of all, the destiny of our bodies, I mentioned, where it will be raised up again, gloriously transfigured, reunited with our souls, but also for how we treat the body, the character of it, our vision, our view of the body, even when it comes to funerals and so on. And we'll talk about that in another program. How we treat the body during, at the time, and after death. It all matters because of Christ's resurrected body. But also when it comes to the health of the body, healing of the body. In the liturgical text for this Sunday, this is Sunday in which we focus on John chapter 5, the story of the paralytic that Jesus Christ raised up and healed. And the liturgical texts give us a bit of a mirror image of what oftentimes is our situation and how to really be healed by Christ. In the liturgical texts, we hear the paralytic saying to Christ, I have spent my money on physicians and received no help from anyone. So the physician of soul and body said to him, meaning Christ, of course, take up your pallet and walk. Proclaim to the whole world the greatness of my mercy and my mighty deeds. In another place, Jesus says this, Near the pool at the sheep gate lay a paralytic, who upon seeing you, Lord, called out, I have no one to help me into the waters when they are stirred. Before I reach the pool, another goes before me and obtains the cure. So I lie here with my sickness. Without delay, the compassionate Savior said to him, For your sake I became incarnate. For your sake I was clothed in the flesh. And yet you say you have no one? Take up your pallet and walk. All is possible with you, O Lord. All is obedient to you and all submits to you. Remember us all and be merciful to us because you love all people, O most holy one. You notice Jesus makes reference to his own nativity, incarnation. 
He says to the paralytic, For your sake I became incarnate. For your sake I was clothed in flesh. And yet you say you have no one. It's like Jesus was saying, What else could I have done? I am God and I became clothed in your human flesh. I became incarnate for you. And then he says to him, take up your mat and walk. There are several times in the liturgical text for this Sunday of the paralytic in the Byzantine liturgical calendar where the person of Christ is heard giving a command to the paralytic, almost like impatiently, almost reprimandedly. He says to him, stand up, take up your mat and walk. He just doesn't say you're healed. He says, stand up, take up your mat and walk. It's threefold. Standing up would be, you know, getting a backbone, getting confidence, take up your mat. In other words, you now are the ruler of your malady. Your malady, your sickness no longer rules you. It is no longer a false god in your life, limiting your life. You pick up that mat. And as he did, it was assigned to everybody else. This man is conquering his malady. He is the master of his own malady now, said the reverse. And then he says, walk. To walk means to show that he is intact, he is whole, he is capable, he's doing what human beings are designed to do, what is good for us to do, what we love to do. We walk, we move, we make movement with confidence, with health, forward-looking. That is why Jesus did it in a threefold way. Stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Remember, it's always in the details. They say the devil's in the details. Well, in the scripture, God, the truth, the message is in the details. You have to really listen closely to the gospel, or when you're reading it, look very closely at the details. That's what makes it. And here in this particular case, lots of details here. So the paralytic was really a lot like many of us, codependent. He had excuses for his ailments, and excuses why he couldn't get better. I mean, all these years he was there, years and years, you'd think he would have done something I know that no one cared enough for him, but still, why was he so dependent upon the lackluster generosity of other people? He remained dependent upon that and did not seem to want to help himself in any other way. He said to Jesus, no one will put me in here. Well, is there another way to get in there, to get to those, what was at that time supposedly curative waters? It was like basically like a hot spring. And of course, hot springs can help us. They can help towards our cure. But the ultimate cure, of course, was Jesus Christ, the ultimate physician. And what Jesus did was he did to the paralytic what he does to you and I. He calls us beyond our codependency. See, Jesus is the only real physician, the divine physician. We rely a lot on treatments and medicine. In fact, we run right away for a pill rather than, in that way, become codependent on pills and chemicals and so on, rather than do as Christ called the paralytic to do. Stand more on your own. Push past some of your pain. Make sure you do your therapy if you need it, but do it even a little bit extra. I'm not saying strain. Here's what happens oftentimes, what I see. I've been a priest for nearly 40 years, visiting people in hospitals and sick calls and so on. One of the things I've noticed as I work with people is that oftentimes they become like the paralyzed man, which makes their sickness worse, their condition worse. They kind of do what I call falling into their ailment. 
rather than pushing beyond it, trying to push beyond it, making small goals for themselves to improve, taking that therapy and going that extra mile, even though it might hurt. What they do is they kind of lean into it. Oh, I have this condition and therefore I can't do this and I can't do that. And they become very sedate, very sedentary, very dependent. And they just need then yet more medicine because if you become sedentary, if you don't try to push past some of the limitations of your ailments, however possible, what happens is your body kind of regresses and it kind of falls deeper into the situation, which then becomes more complicated and makes other situations. Now you need a pill for this because you've been laying around so long, then this condition happened to you. And now you need a pill to offset the previous pill because they all have these kinds of bad side effects in varying degrees. So what happens is we start to slide progressively downward. So oftentimes I've seen people where they maybe fell and they broke a hip or something. And that seems to start the beginning of their end. Maybe it was God's design. I'm not trying to judge it. But I often see, though, that they kind of fall asleep into their ailment as if there's no way out rather than move in the opposite direction. And that's what Jesus was telling this paralytic. Come on, stand up, pick up your mat, and now walk. You'd be amazed at how much healing, how much healthier we can be by living the resurrection of Christ, living as resurrected people, taking care of our body in much more natural ways, and above all, relying on Christ and prayer for our divine physician. Thank you for listening. Stay healthy. Be a person of the resurrection. Christ is risen. I'm Father Thomas Leia on Light of the East. To hear Light of the East again, visit ByzantineCatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab and on iTunes. Thank you for listening to Light of the East. We encourage you to tell a friend about Light of the East and to visit ByzantineCatholic.com. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. Hey, this is Doug Keck, EWTN President and Chief Operating Officer. This is Bishop Ferdinand Cherie, Auxiliary Bishop of New Orleans. This is Jerry Usher, co-host of Take Two with Jerry and Debbie. Thanks for listening to the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Wilcook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Or donate online on the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh.